You're listening to episode four of the Happy Space Podcast. Today, we're going to explore why it's so important for highly sensitive people to follow their intuition with intuition expert, Sunil Godsey. Welcome to the Happy Space Podcast, a place where highly sensitive people thrive. Not only will we learn how to better navigate life with our superpowers, we'll find ways to better manage the challenges too. We'll hear from product and service innovators, space designers, and leaders who believe in creating an inclusive, neurologically safe world. If you're highly sensitive or want to better understand and support someone who is, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Claire Kumar, and I'm so very happy you're here. So it's a great pleasure of mine to really highlight HSPs in the world who have figured out ways to be successful integrating their trait into their lives. And I'm really thrilled today to be diving into a topic which I think is very important for HSPs. It's the topic of intuition. And uh, I'm speaking to Sunil Godsey, who's an intuition expert. He's written a book called Gut, titled What Is It? How to Trust It and How to Use It. And uh, Sunil works now as an intuitive branding expert. He has significant experience in business, growing multi-million dollar businesses uh, cumulatively over several years, and now helps other entrepreneurs and business owners leverage their intuition. And I thought, you know, as an HSP, we have incredible powers of noticing, but Sometimes in an effort to fit in and belong, we suppress some of these superpowers or even ignore them. I know for years, I really did not pay attention to some of the signals that were coming to me to give me a feeling, an inkling that something was off. I just let my head overtake my heart and my gut, the whole body, mind, spirit was not aligned in some of the decisions that I made. So I thought, boy, it would be great to learn from Sunil about what he's learned through studying intuition. And that's the conversation I'm inviting you to join in today. Today's episode of the Happy Space Podcast is sponsored by ClaireKumar.com. Not only am I excited to spearhead the Happy Space movement, I love coaching busy professionals to achieve greater productivity and well-being. The two go hand in hand. I also adore taking the stage. If you're looking for an interactive, engaging event to inspire and invite action, whether it be on successful work-life integration, sustainable performance, organization and productivity, or expanding inclusivity, please visit clairekumar.com and find out more. So Sunil, I'm so thrilled that you're joining me. I know you recently discovered that you are a highly sensitive person. And I wonder that upon reflecting and learning about the trait, if you can share a little bit about what it means to you and how you think it's affected your life. Yeah, uh, you know, it's really interesting having that conversation with you about, uh, you know, HSP and, and uh, you know, reflecting back on, uh, you know, obviously there's some pattern matching that that I, I like to do in the past. And, and so 
I used to always wonder, you know, when, when I used to get into situations, even when I was younger, I used to really soak in a scene. And it was really something that I, you know, sometimes I would catch myself staring at someone or the background or why is someone acting like that? Or even in movies, when I watch movies, you know, people will be looking at the main character, but I'll find myself looking at the at the uh, others in the scene. And it was, you know, now that we almost have a bit of a label on it, which is really sensitive, it was it was really important for me to soak in everything in that scene. And uh, I, you know, it was really important to watch how people reacted um, when I said something or when something was said to them. Um, and I found it really fascinating in a very quiet way because it's something that I really don't share with a lot of people. Uh, and this is probably the first, I think it is the first time that I'm actually being vocal about it because nobody's really kind of, it's not a normal conversation that you generally have with people. And in some cases I used to think, am I weird? By and I'm, and I would think that maybe people that are high in HSP maybe ask that same question, like why do I seem to focus like that, um, and and others don't, if we're looking to compare. So, well, you know, you remind me of Brene Brown. Recently, I listened to a podcast where she's talking to her sisters about her latest book, Atlas of the Heart, and she rep- reports being as a child highly vigilant. Now, I think that mm. she grew up in a, in a house where she, they didn't feel particularly comfortable all the time. And so she was noticing and she was paying particular atten- attention to people's emotions. And it sounds like there is a parallel noticing. And uh, so I suspect she's a highly sensitive person, too. I'm playing spot the HSP all the time now. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, when we spoke, I thought, ah, oh, I bet. I wonder. And so we explored it. And turns out you are. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so you noticed as a child, and this is interesting because Dr. Aaron in her her assessment, and I think other assessments I've seen about the traits say, answer this as if you were a child, because Mm. we've evolved a little bit and maybe we've turned off or suppressed some parts of ourselves in order to not show up weird. (laughs) But, But that innate sense of curiosity and what we tune into is uh, I think it's a really profound cue. And you're right, we don't talk about this stuff. This is just this is just the stuff of life that happens. But when we give it attention, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see. So now, as, a, as an adult, as a professional speaker, as a business consultant, um, how does sensitivity, how does it play in your work now? So it's really important for me because what I deal with when it comes to reactions uh, uh, is very, very important, right? And sensing, seeing the scene is really important, and especially when you're looking for clues that can't be faked uh, or can't be masked. Um, and oftentimes, that's where the gold is in finding a solution to a problem or finding what the problem is because it's almost like theater when you're dealing with a client sometimes where there's a lot of people running around with masks, but you almost have to kind of look behind the masks or under or what have you to find out what's the real problem going on. And once you can sort of pierce through that, um, and, I, and I think highly sensitive people are better able to do that because of that heightened sense of you're trying to investigate something, at least from my opinion. And so when I have that, those sort of micro senses heightened, then oftentimes I'll find inconsistencies and then start to question why. And then those questions have to be answered. And if they can't, we have a problem. 
Yeah. And that problem leads to a bigger problem and it's the bigger problem they're dealing with. And then what I have to do is sort of peel back the layers to get to the root of the problem. Um, and then that's the suggestion I have to the client. That's amazing. I have a feeling that the, the fact that highly sensitive people have more mirror neurons is also part of your success in building rapport and making people feel like they can trust you and open up too. Would you think, do you think that has a part to play in, in your relationships? Oh, big time. Yeah. Because the mirror neurons, uh, uh, obviously are the ones that are, you know, obviously that they call the mirror neurons because you're sort of mimicking who's in front of you. And as HSPs, we're reinforcing that. And when we reinforce that, that's sort of a trigger to the neurons to kind of, uh, you know, go forth and multiply, so to speak. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then from a neuroscience perspective, that's exactly what happens. It's just like, um, you know, if you look at uh, when, when we get hit with a, a fearful, experience or a shocking experience, um, the, the unconventional wisdom would say that that's the best time to change. And so if you look at it from a neuroscience perspective or neuroplasticity perspective, that is the best time because what's happened is you shock the neurons into finding new pathways and they're ripe to find the new pathways. What you have to do is give them the new pathways. And unfortunately, we fall back into our own habits and the neurons start to solidify those old pathways again. So we so, miss we miss an opportunity if miss a huge I, opportunity. So stress is an opportunity, is what you're saying. Stress and challenge. I mean, yeah. we've certainly had that in the past two years. We've had all kinds of stress and challenge. And I do notice that there have been some really incredibly good things that have come out of it. Uh, but to to be someone who can respond in a way to grow in stress. Have you noticed anything that needs to be present? Is it mindset? Is it, what is it about the people that recognize that stress and are willing to, I call it dancing in discomfort uh, and grow? What, have you noticed anything about that? Yeah, and I think this is a bit of a challenge to some, but this is where we call it, if we can sort of dive into the intuitive aspect of things where my expertise is, when you look at intuition from a perspective, from the basics is it sends you some signals, right? And so when you're looking to, even in signs of stress or fear or what have you, if your intuition is kind of telling you to go in the right direction, it's paired with a positive signal. And so what you have to do is in the smoke and the noise uh, and the news and where you're trying to figure out where your life needs to go, you really need to pay attention to those signals because there you're guiding light through the fog. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that takes training. Uh, and it takes, and as HSPs, we're highly sensitive, which means we're highly sensitive to those signals. And if we take the time to figure out what are the positive signals and negative signals, then that should guide us through whatever path that we're trying to go down. Yeah, absolutely. So now is a perfect time to tell our listeners about your expertise. So Sunil here, well, you would have heard in the intro, but he's here because uh, he is an expert in intuition. And I've I've known in myself that dismissing my intuition has led to numerous blunders in my life. And I've had a renewed commitment to say, wow, I need to step into this noticing and pay attention to it. And so Sunil in his book, Gut, What Is It? How to Trust It and How to Use It, talks a lot about this. So I urge you to have a uh, grab a copy of that if you want to deeply explore it. But I want to talk to you, yeah, to dive into this topic of signals understanding sort of, can you give us an idea what signals are so that the highly sensitive person out there can say, oh yeah, I've got those. What, what are we talking about when, we, when you say signals? 
Yeah, and the best thing that I can take people uh, down is to look at a situation when you made a decision that you knew was the right decision. And you go, go down memory lane and say, what was one of the best decisions that you made? Mm. And then what did it feel like in that moment? And that feeling is one of your positive signals. Uh, and so there's a, we all have a set, an invent, a set inventory of them. Mm -hmm. And so your job is to find out what is that set inventory by continuing down memory lane. Uh -huh. uh, and then the exact opposite is, you know, what are the bad decisions that you made? And what did it feel like in that moment? And those, are, those negative signals are generally like irritations. And the thing with negative signals is that they actually start very subtle in nature. And so generally when you make the first bad decision, your intuition is giving you this little subtle signal saying, mm, come on, Sunil. Mm -hmm. But then because we haven't done our homework on what those signals are, they're too subtle, we go to the next signal. The intuition says, okay, you're going to ignore me here. I'm going to send you something a little bit louder or something that changes. And so ultimately you get to a point where you say, ah, this is really uncomfortable. I'm going to start backing away. And so what I'm trying to get people to do is to really take stock of their inventory of signals. Um, and then if they go through the, my book, there's sort of the four types of intuition that, that are there instead of just labeling as, as just intuition as sort of one big construct. Um, and we're naturally stronger in one of the four types. And so what I do is that I make sure that the other three are stronger through either my coursework or my coaching. And if you don't strengthen the other three, what happens is then you miss their signals. Okay, because so I love I love all the nuance in this and the deep thought that you've clearly put into it. I want to stay with signals just a little bit sure. longer, and then we're definitely going to dive into the four types of intuition yeah. because I know I was immensely curious, and I'm like, what do you mean four types? But yeah. staying with the signals, can you give us, yep. just paint us a little bit of a picture more of some of those positive feelings like in the body. Like what, what kinds of positive signals are there? that are good? Like what, what should we be noticing and labeling as a yeah, signal? Absolutely. So, so some are going to be pretty common. So these are going to be, you know, sort of that feeling of flow, the dots connecting, uh, a gentle pulling, or just absolutely knowing that this is the right decision to make. But then there are some unique ones. Um, like for example, there's one CEO that I interviewed and he sees this omen that comes up on his behind his right shoulder. And so it's, it just sits there. There's no color. There's no shape. It just comes up. And so whatever he's doing in business, he at, when that omen pops up, he immediately says yes to everything that he's doing. And he's now run two multi-million dollar businesses because an omen pops up on his right shoulder. And he's never told anybody except me because <laughs> I was the one to figure out, you know, how does his intuition really kind of speak to him? An omen sounds kind of handy. I'd like to have a happy omen. But, yeah. but you know, this feeling of knowing, I said, actually, yeah. with respect to the, the podcast itself, I talked to the designer and, and I'm showing um, for the video, for people who are not watching the video, I'm showing the podcast cover art. And I said to her, I said, okay, we're close with some earlier designs. I will, I will know it when I see it. Yep. It's because I knew, I knew when I named my company Stream Life, as soon as I came up with this word, I thought, ah, that's it. I, I'll know it when I see it, but if I don't, I know, you know, just keep working with me because we're going in the right direction. We'll know, we'll know when we get there. And I, I can trust that feeling of knowing. I never thought of that as a signal until now. Yeah. And, and, and what's really interesting using your same example mm -hmm. is that when I first saw that, that piece of cover art mm -hmm. um, that came up on your Facebook, it was pretty intriguing for me. And so my intuition was in a positive way saying, yeah, this is really neat. 
And so when we look at establishing trust, an intuition trust is a two-way street. So your intuition is saying this is really good. My intuition is saying this is really good. And now you have the ability to connect with people at an intuitive level (sighs) that really gets the relationship to go deep. Okay. So I just had goosebumps when you said that. What the heck signal is goosebumps? Because when I talk to someone on the regular now, when I hear something that resonates with me and is positive, I have full body goosebumps. What is that? That is, uh, it could be your first signal. It could be a confirmation signal. Mm. It could be a signal that you have a trusted relationship in front of you. So somebody particularly uh, that you want to deal with in your inner circle that's coming closer to your inner circle. Double goosebumps. Um, and, oh, stop. <laughs> that's so yeah. And so, these, and so these are now confirmations. And so what you're hearing, what you're seeing, uh, my facial expressions um, really resonates with who you are. And that's how you form really intimate relationships with good friends. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and what even is a goosebump? Like what? It, like I mean, it's like so, a, so it's a that, shiver. It's yeah. like a shiver so, through the back of my body. It's exactly, weird. and so and so this is a unique intuitive signal for you. So just like that omen that popped up, mm-hmm. this is yours, and it could be particular to people, yeah. right? So professional situations, you may not go. I, I don't know. So this is where you'd have to do some discovery process. It's, it's and happening when all the time on Zoom calls with people in coaching conversations when something yeah. prof- it's prof- it's something profound, meaningful, and positive. And right. yeah, and it stops me every time I'm like, <gasps> goosebumps. It's, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it could be a sign of some really deep conversation yeah. that's meaningful, that's not superficial in nature. Yeah. And so that's your intuitive signal coming through saying, hey, yeah, this is a great conversation. Let's take this forward or deeper or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and then you just navigate that path based on that goosebump, which is an intuitive signal. Yeah, the people listening can't see my face, my jaw dropping like numerous times in this conversation. And, and so, so we're just working at this in real time, right? You just figure out what your positive yeah. intuitive signal is. You just answer that for yourself. I know, I right? Oh man, okay. Yeah. Okay, and so some of the negative ones then, because those are the ones that can really help keep us on a more positive course if we tune into those. Yeah. And I know that, you know, I was in a, not a very loving relationship for many, many years. And for my chapter two, I decided, hot damn girl, you deserve to be in a relationship like your mom and dad had, which was so special. And so I resolved that when I was dating, I was going to take any little red flag and write it in bold capital letters in my journal. And I sure did. I sure did. When I met my love on the second date, when I... You know, I firmly believe food is to be shared. I came back in my journal and wrote, not sure he likes to share food in big, (laughs) bold capital letters because I decided I was not going to dismiss even the smallest thing now. I was going to just, I was going to have to name it because I was afraid of dismissing something that maybe is not the end of the world, but I wasn't going to miss it. So. So. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and you're right. So so when it comes to your intuitive signals that are negative, mm-hmm. they're going to be irritations or red flags. And and so others are going to have different language around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, from a scientific perspective, your intuition hits the amygdala and there's no capacity for language. So, uh, you know, goosebumps are things we feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be saying red flags, but when I say red flags, everybody can have their own version of red flags. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, some will see the more common ones are getting a gut feeling, 
um, getting, uh, getting rashes, um, the hairs in the back of the neck coming up earlier than most. So we're not looking at a scary event where they should be, but they're warning you mm-hmm. that maybe perhaps you don't go down that alley or don't approach the, these people. Uh, so these are some of the common ones, some of the more unique ones. I've got a unique one where my very first signal is that I lose my peripheral vision and I get hyper-focused and my eyebrows cross. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that something in front of me mm-hmm. is bad. It's just that what I'm thinking of making a decision and that decision is not correct. If I start losing my peripheral vision, mm-hmm. I know I have to take a step back and evaluate that. And I had another entrepreneur who actually, when I was interviewing him, he had no clue what is, I mean, you don't really go up to somebody in a, in a coffee shop and say, hey, listen, what are your negative intuitive signals? They say, well, I've got a psychologist you might want to talk with. Um, they're going to they're gonna say questions. strangers coming up to me and asking weird questions. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm There's running. a signal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but this guy had uh, eventually when he started talking to me about his negative experiences, his he kept grabbing his left earlobe and he just realized that every time he made a bad decision, his left earlobe pulsated with heat every single time. Wow. And that was his first negative intuitive signal. And so now, yeah. as long as we learn that, yeah. for him, every time he gets a hint of heat on his left earlobe, there's a decision he's about to make that he has to back away and find more information about. Mm-hmm. And same thing with me. If I lose my peripheral vision, that's my first signal to say, okay, what is it about this decision that I need more information mm-hmm. before I permanently back away from it? Mm. So you need to back away, gather more, decide if you're going back in yes. or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much because I think our, our noticing listeners out there are going to be resonating with this in their own different way. I love it if, you know, through social media, reach out to me, let us know what your signals are. What kind of language do you put to positive signals and negative signals? Do you have an omen? Do they have a name? Like what, what, how in touch with you are these, with these cues are you? And as I think towards the, you know, the upper limits of sensitivity and the empath community and that tuning into even more different energies, I have a feeling that that is, that's the sort of the greatest tuning into intuition because those clues are are deeply profound and in, in elements I don't even um, begin to understand actually. Yeah, we are. Re- if you're if you're an empath or you're high on the HSP, it, this that's actually a really good way to be mm-hmm. because one of the things I talk about in my book is something called intuitive mediums and what intuitive mediums are are those environments that you put yourself in where you mm-hmm. cut out the noise mm-hmm. and just sort of let your those those thoughts or those feelings or those intuitive signals soak through and mm-hmm. so as an hsp we naturally do that we naturally take because we're highly sensitive we're tuning out the noise mm-hmm. to sense what's in the environment which means we're better in sensing our intuitive signals mm-hmm. than other people because they're so cut the other people are so caught up in the noise and they have to go to greater lengths to kind of step outside themselves and to really listen to their intuition compared to HSPs like us. Yeah. Now, if HSPs are managing things well, we naturally bring in this introspective time yes. and quiet walks and stillness in our day. If we're mm-hmm. not, and if, you know, to use the word you were using earlier, this masking that can go on, we might be denying ourselves that, which is what I think I did for so long was I was like, signal, what signal? Who needs a signal? I'm just going to operate from my brain. Thank you very much. And to dismiss the rest. But boy, the power in being able to be still, be quiet and do that tuning in 
Ah, oh, huge. So let's move now from the signals, which I'm so appreciative of that deeper exploration into, uh, to now look at the four different types of intuition. And I wonder if you can bring those to life for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so the four different types, um, it's, it's almost the way that I characterize intuition, it's like driving a car. So when you drive a car, you turn, you know, you basically push the button or turn on the keys, uh, turn the keys, depending upon how old your car is. Uh, and then you listen to the engine. And as long as the engine is, you know, kind of sounding positive signals, then you just kind of drive. Um, and you don't need to be mechanics to, you know, open up the hood and figure out what's underneath that hood until somebody weird like me comes in and says, oh, listen, uh, I want to open up the the, the hood of the, this thing called intuition to figure out what's underneath. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at intuition and when I interviewed over close to about thousand people uh, wow. to figure out, and I looked at the scientific research, what I found out was that there were four types of intuition that actually work all in unison. And so when you have a decision, all four have to gather certain types of information for you to uh, go ahead with it. And so we're naturally stronger in one of the four and we're weaker in the other three. And so that's why we miss the signals that our intuition generally tells us. And the best way to describe these four is using a case study. And this is a case study of my fellow, my friend, John Rothschild, who, when I approached him, he said that intuition doesn't exist. You know, come on. They hit this guy's an investment banker, you know, data, Excel spreadsheets, uh, he ruled the world. And at the time when I asked him, uh, this was one of my first interviews for uh, when I was diving into intuition. And at that time, if you Googled intuition, it came from like, you know, manifestation, voices from God and things like that. Mm. And so someone who's an investment banker, he's just like, okay, I'm not sure what you want to talk about, Sunil, but uh, come on down anyways. We'll have a chat and we'll grab a coffee and... He was worried about you, though, wasn't he? He was, he was, a, little, he was a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why he didn't ask me to, to his office. Let's go, let's go visit another boardroom somewhere else. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I, so, and as I was down, driving down to see him, I was really worried to say, okay, this is going to be a, either a very short interview mm-hmm. uh, or it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. So I had to take all the research that I did. And, and so, uh, you know, I turn on the camera and I'm starting to interview him and I'm telling him about the, the CEO that sees omens. And I'm actually telling him about the guy who gets the entrepreneur who gets, you know, his left ear low uh, warm. And he says, Sunil, I'd really like to shake those guys hands um, because omens and stuff like that. Uh, he said, listen, every decision you make in life or in business is based on your experience and learning. And so now let's, we're going to dive into the four types of intuition because one of the four types is called experiential intuition. Mm-hmm. And you, so you're, and you're born with intuition. And there's this research study that shows that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies. So if you look at the research in terms of the number of events that you have when you're younger, five to 6,000 events per day. And when you're older, 28 to 35,000 events per day, every single piece. No wonder of that we're event, tired. No wonder we're tired. We're really tired, <laughs> super tired, but every, every piece of that learning experience is a data point that goes into the subconscious area of your brain like a library and so if you look at your brain like an iceberg 90 percent is below water that's the subconscious of your brain and the 10 percent above is the conscious area so by the time you make a decision today you've got billions and billions and billions of past data points to tell you whether the decision you're making is the right one or not and so if it's the right one obviously it's going to send you a positive signal if it's the wrong one it's going to send you a negative signal 
And in some cases, I was telling John that your intuition goes against the data. And he goes, well, that's kind of funny, so I'll let you mention that. Uh, he said he had a, that this exact same thing happened to him. And so John was in the franchise business. And so putting in McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts or you know Burger King, what have you. And what his team would do is they would look at the location and rate it on a scale of 10, looking at demographics, development in the area, traffic patterns, things like that. And there was this place in Toronto um, in the Esplanade area, and it was a five and a half out of 10. And, uh, you know, he and his, and his partner went out there. And now we're going to talk about the second of the two called situational intuition that looks at the situation that you're in and the business units that's, that support that situation. And he just looks and says, I don't know. I think we should be okay if we put our location here. And so he goes against the data that his team puts in and that ends up being the beer market, which is one of the best franchise locations in his whole portfolio, all because what he says now, it says perhaps it's intuition. He's not sure. So at least half an hour into our conversation, I've got John from saying it doesn't exist to perhaps yeah. it's intuition. And let me just say that beer market is where I had some of the best dancing I've ever had in Toronto. Oh, wow. So yeah. It, awesome. So, you know, you, you talked about the podcast cover art, feeling good for me and then feeling good for you. There you go. Right. There's something about that place that was, it was amazing. They have another location that just closed. It was always terrible. The layout was terrible. The location just never, never worked. So mm. yeah, there's some, yeah, something about that place and the Esplanade. I was hot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it went contrary to, uh, mm. you know, at the time there were people that are just going to have anything just to, you know, to take a swig and uh, yeah. he wanted to do beer pairings. Yeah. So any any anybody who thinks they're sane in terms of business think, okay, you want to take a place where people just want to get drunk and teach them about beer pairings? Yeah. Like, are you insane? <laughs> Yet he goes against that because mm-hmm. situational intuition was telling him mm-hmm. this is the place to go. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point, his purpose changes. And so John no longer wants to be an investment banker. Mm-hmm. He actually wants to run a business. And now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. Mm-hmm. And what relational intuition does is very much like you get goosebumps. It sends you signals when the people that you encounter, um, the only there's a thick filter that lets in where it only lets in people into your inner circle who you absolutely trust, who are going to be there for you through thick and thin, mm-hmm. which your intuition knows are really good people. They're not putting them on a mask. There's no bad intentions. Mm-hmm. And in John's case, when he made the decision to say, I want to run a business, all the people who are filled with things like ego, money, fame, high-end restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making millions of dollars, all of them said, you're nuts. Only one person asked him why, and that was his wife. And his wife simply asked, John, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to throw a three to $4 million career to start a business from ground zero? And he, he, uh, he looked at me. And now he's, I'm paraphrasing him on the video. He says, Sunil, you sometimes you can have all the data in the world, but you have to trust your intuition. This just feels right. (laughs) And that was his intuitive signal. It just felt right. Mm -hmm. And so now we're an hour in from someone who says it doesn't exist to now realizing it exists. 
And the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. Before we go to that yeah. one, though, to help yeah. me understand the relational a little bit, because everybody was saying no, but his wife was asking him a question. So help me understand relational intuition in the context of that story. What 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 was it? Exactly? Yeah. So in this case, nobody really wanted to find out why he wanted to do something that he wanted, uh, and and he wanted to instead of being uh, you know someone who kind of paid for a team, he actually wanted to coach the team. And so everybody else was more concerned about him keeping the career, not really thinking about what's your purpose? What do you really want to do? Why are you driving to this decision? They all were more concerned about the, the extrinsic motivation, uh, you know. And ah, so it was the strength of the relationship with his wife and what she yes. was reflecting back to him was what's truly important to you, John. And asking that. Yeah. Right? And actually okay. asking that rather than judging yeah. his decision based on the lens of others, right? I mean, so yeah. if, if, if you're yeah. judging someone based on your extrinsic motivators, mm. then you're going to see, think that John is nuts. But if so, you're a true friend, yeah. you would, you would actually say, okay, why are you doing this? So this is talking about in terms of relational, it's then a meaningful relate, yes. someone, a, a relationship that's very meaningful to you. Yes. That's going to have higher value reflecting, helping reflect back to you, the positivity or negativity of this decision potentially. Absolutely. And that filter is, is usually pretty thick. All of us have met thousands of people. Yeah. But if you can actually count on, on your hand how many people will actually be there for you, mm -hmm. I've got two. Mm -hmm. uh, and they come and go. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who have been there for me when times were tough, but then when times were tough again, mm -hmm. they weren't. Mm -hmm. And my, intuitively, I knew that they were pulling away before that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So we intuitively can sense the fact that people are, you know, the line, the, the strength of that rope oh, between oh, us. Oh, goosebumps again. Stop it. <laughs> is, is thinning and that yeah. rope is getting farther and farther away. Yes. What happens is we forget to cut that rope and we hang on way too long. Even though our relational intuition is saying, let the rope go, let the rope go, or you're going to drown with them. Let the rope go. Yes. But we seem yes. to want to keep hanging and hanging and hanging. And when we need those honest opinions, mm -hmm. these are people at the end of their rope that mm -hmm. they're having saying, ah, you're, what are you doing? Yeah. But they're not close to you asking why yeah. do you want to do it? Yeah. They're judging through their lens. That's not a heart caring center place. Not at all. So, so I had goosebumps when you said that. So it's becoming more clear to me that goosebumps are around a profound resonance. Yes. Whether it's positive or negative, it's a profound resonance. I'm like, holy Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to lay some more on me? Or I'm gonna, like, <laughs> I've got one more, which so, is a creative intuition. Creative intuition. Okay, let's go. And that's the last four. That's okay. last, last. And so yep. creative intuition is the actual risk level that you tolerate when you make a decision. And so if you're eating a sandwich, you're turning left of the lights, your creative intuition is pretty low. Mm -hmm. But in John's case, not only did he trade away a three to $4 million career, mm. uh, he was given this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And you would think his intuition says, no, no, here's a, here's a healthy company you can take over. I mean, you've got the cash, you can get loans, you can take over this nice, healthy cash flow, good balance sheet, strong revenues. Nope. Tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And that restaurant is was Eastside Mario's location number one. And he walked into it, uh, turned it around, and uh, grew it to over a thousand locations, uh, including things like the beer market. Uh, they had uh, the Red Devil. They had a number of... Uh, 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 steak places in the U.S. So over a thousand locations, two billion dollars wow. in revenues by the time you're retired. 
And it all started because it felt right. <laughs> That's an amazing case study. You've really brought intuition to life through understanding signals in, in some depth, which I really appreciate. And clearly I lived the experience as well. And then bringing these, these four types to life. My, my hope is that the, the listeners, our HSP friends out there, are going to think about how this reflects and shows up in your life. And we'll take these tools, we'll, we'll pick up a copy of the book to understand it even more deeply and use this power tool of noticing to really be a, a, a guide that you can trust in your life. You have such a force uh, if you're able to tune into it. Absolutely. And, and remember, as HSPs, uh, we are much better at sensing those signals. And so we have a better chance at becoming an expert in this, and there's nothing wrong with it. And with those with, with those expert signals, sometimes come some tough decisions that we have to make about the situations we put ourselves in, the types of decisions we make, the people in our lives. But if your intuition is guiding you to make those decisions, they are the right ones for you. And so they could be fearful. But remember, we were talking earlier, if that fear is paired with a positive intuitive signal, that just means that it's moving you in a direction where there are doors of opportunity, there are people that will support you, and it may seem lonely, but it's not really because you still have one or two people that are the true supporters of you. Mm. So enjoy being an HSP because you're already much better at listening to intuitive signals than others. What a beautiful way to end this episode. Thanks, Sunil. Everybody out there, enjoy being an HSP. Thanks again, Sunil. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of the Happy Space Podcast episodes over at happyspacepod.com. That is also where you'll find a link to our online community. Please leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. And if you liked what you heard, please share. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space? 